back to another edition, a special edition today of the Replacement Hall Podcast. I am Rafal, Megan Whiskey. We are actually without Chris Phillips today. He is on vacation, actually, with his fam up in Minnesota. But today we got a special guest for you guys, Thomas Harding. He has covered the Rockies since 2000, and he's currently a beat reporter and writer for the Colorado Rockies at over at MLB.com. He's been there since 2002. Make sure to check out everything and follow him on Twitter at Harding at MLB. He provided all the updates throughout the season, analysis, and all the updates. news. Thomas, thank you so much for joining. Hey, thanks for having me. It's kind of, uh, it's kind of good to be right at the uh, eve of a baseball season, isn't it? It, it definitely is, and I'm I'm excited. I'm sure you are very excited by the Rockies this season. Uh, just so how has how has the offseason been for you, uh, Thomas? I'm assuming that you've been all over the Rockies, and you know, uh, getting in your last few predictions, and you know, getting your your last talks of players, coaches. But how how has this process been for you this offseason? Uh, it was an interesting process because there have been off seasons where they've made a lot of trades and free agency. Not a lot of that this off season. So actually, I spent probably most of the off season staring out my window, hoping the baseball season would finally get me. <laughs> I have a lot more to do. Um, they did make you know a few minor moves, and I guess their biggest couple of moves really came during spring training when they brought in Brad Hand to pitch in relief, and of course, uh, Jerickson Profar uh, to, to be their leadoff hitter. We wrote about it all offseason, how they needed somebody who could, who could maybe lead off, play in the outfield. We had thought center field, but that's not necessarily the case with Profar. He'll play left, but also provide a little bit, little bit of power for a lineup that didn't have nearly enough last year. So it took a while. So it was a quiet, somewhat boring offseason, but they did get their guy, so at least it looks like a uh, a major league lineup. Now, there are still questions about depth, and obviously it's a tough place to pitch, and when you don't pitch well, it really looks bad. But, you know, the Rockies, they feel competitive going into this thing. So that's actually what I was going to get to. You, you're, you're mentioning how the Rockies weren't as active as offseason. You know, they weren't like any of those teams that splurged uh, – ridiculous sum of money like all the New York teams and LA uh, obviously not LA this year in particular but you 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 mentioned how the Rockies this year brought in Profar and they brought Brad Hand in spring training and, and you know uh aside from those two the their biggest moves were kind of Harold Castro and Mike Postakis so you were talking about depth so I think my, my question for you is do you think anything particular the Rockies should have addressed in the offseason Well, um, you look at it and it's a tough place to address your starting pitching because starters don't come here. I mean, when Jacob deGrom was a free agent, he was not clapping his hands, telling his agent, hey, find out what the Rockies want is because it's a it's a tough place to pitch and the tough pitchers don't come here. Um, It would. I I did think that by bringing in Profar and also having Moustakas and uh, Castro as depth pieces, it made the bench a little bit better and they'll be able to rest guys a little bit more because at times they really have not gotten much from their bench. Um, So you have to have a full squad here. And I thought that the bullpen, they did a good job of addressing that. Um, Profar coming in helps set the lineup. 
but they've had the injury to um, the, the injury to Brendan Rogers and, and it's probably going to cost him the season. It would have been nice to have Profar here and Brendan Rogers and um, a guy like an Alaris Montero who has worked his way into the starting lineup, but you'd rather guys like that try to fight their way in rather than have the job. But I think he's done a good job this spring. So yeah, I would have liked to have seen them deepen the roster a little bit more, make it um, a little bit tougher for young guys to break in, but it may be for the best because some of their prospects should be hitting the major leagues this year. Guys like Zach Veen and, and excuse me, and Drew Romo and um, just some of the other prospects. You would like to see them make an impact in the major leagues. So if the team isn't contending, then those guys obviously make it more interesting to watch. If the team is contending and those guys show up, then it's really exciting. Yeah, uh, I mean, for me, like Thomas, you were, you were talking about how, and I mean, just to be specific, Jacob Degrom is not going out, and you know he's not asking you know where the Rockies at, and obviously pitchers wouldn't prefer to pitch in in, in Colorado, which obviously the park factor is pretty prominent. So kind of just a follow up on uh, posed a, a, a different question. You know, obviously the loss of Brendan Rogers is, is quite prominent and it's obviously a, a, a kind of changes the entire plans for the 20 for the 2023 season. So, you know, you got McMahon at third. So, but does that change now that Brendan Rogers is likely after the years because you know now, now you're putting in Elias Montero, who didn't you know he got some games in last year, had his moments, but at the same time he isn't as developed, and I would say he, he obviously isn't up to par of you would say Brendan Rogers might move in. So does that concern you? Putting Montero, who obviously like you mentioned worked his way up again to this lineup, but does that concern you that he might not? He obviously isn't as the best replacement. Well, I will say this about Montero, and what's happened is um, is Brian McMahon has moved to second base, a position he has played quite well. Montero has potential for more power than McMahon or than Rogers. He is a big home run type hitter. You look at the minor league numbers; they were very good. And one of actually one of the best stories of the spring is uh, last year he got fifty three games at the big league level, put up big numbers in the minors, but was beaten by the breaking ball a lot. And there's something that I wrote a newsletter and you could probably find it through my Twitter feed and subscribe to it after that. The numbers for Montero against um, breaking balls have really improved since last year. So <clears throat> this could end up being one of those things where, yeah, you wanted Montero to have to break in, but if he breaks in the way you think, then it's a deeper squad. Um, lo looking at Montero this spring, He's gone. He's he's improved his um, expected slugging percentage against breaking balls. Last year was 387, and this year it's 1,139 in spring training. So the way that he's hit the ball on break on breaking pitches and expected means the quality of contact what it should do. It doesn't take into account that the defense is going to catch x x number of them, but he looks like he's developed a much better plan in the batter's box. Now, where the question is, is now that the lights are on in the regular season, does that continue? You see that a lot. I mean, last year with Rodgers, he had a great spring training, 
and hit 078 in the month of April, but then picked it up after that. So this is where like some of the deeper squads, you have somebody that you really know at those positions. Um, right now they've got Montero, a lot of potential, but you don't know about them. That's a, that's a fun thing for me because, uh, for me, I mean, I'm a Yankees fan. So, you know, I always like Cinderella stories. So, you know, you were talking about how Montero, he's got a lot of projected powers. He, he you know, he could be a 20, 25 home run hitter, three or four years down the line if kind of maximizes his, his build. But, you know, I, I always like Cinderella stories. And I think, you know, getting a solid season out of Montero could, could take, could, really go a long way because, you know, obviously you're, you're talking about Thomas, how the Rockies are kind of thin on options right now. So hopefully Montero can step up in a big way. So we were talking about the rotation and obviously it's a pretty difficult park to throw in. And, you know, the Rockies kind of are thin on in terms of talent in the rotation. So my, my question for you, Thomas is, what are you expecting out of rotation? And you know, it's it's tough pitching in in uh, with such the high altitude in Colorado. So, what are you expecting out of a rotation? Who's, you know, they they you know the Rockies have a solid bullpen, but rotation wise, are you expecting Herman Marquez to maybe bounce back, Kyle Freeland, and Urena Gumber Feldner? What's your thoughts? Yeah, when you look at this rotation, <clears throat> the top of the rotation, um, Herman Marquez and Kyle Freeland have proven that they can pitch here. There's always a question about Coors Field. Does it erode you over time? Both of them had bad stretches last year, but they also had good stretches. If they come out and pitch like they did in 2017 and 2018, then, hey, the Rockies are in good shape. You just can't count on it from year to year. I think it was um, one of the great statements of Dan O'Dowd, the former general manager here, he said that the biggest problem with building the team in Denver is that you can't predict performance from year to year. It tends to fluctuate a lot. If those two guys pitch really well, this could be a fun season. The other guy that, that I'm looking at from at least what he has done, the changes he's made since last year is Austin Gomber. I think that, uh, that, that there are changes that can stick, the way he's using his changeup. Um, he, he just looks a little bit stronger in his delivery and is a little bit more directed, seems to know what he's doing. I would, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing a full season out of him because last year they moved him to the bullpen at a time when he was struggling and they kept him there. And to a degree, the reason was they didn't have enough relief pitching. So they address a lot of those in off season. So I look at this rotation and you look at the numbers from last season and you're like, oh my gosh, you know, where's the pitching going to come from? You look at some of the things that these guys have done, like Gomber had a had a two something ERA at Coors Field over the 2021 season. Freeland, Marquez, they have done well here. So there's always that thought that maybe they all get it together at once. But I but I think that's the issue when you have a team like the Rockies, where I think they're better. Um, their better pitching prospects are lower in the minors, so everybody has to have big years and everybody has to stay healthy. That tends not to happen. So one of the more intriguing arms that that the Rockies uh, acquired over the offseason is, is for me is I mean traded 
uh, from Boston, Connor Seabold. He made five starts for the Red Sox last year, had 11.29 ERA in the big leagues. And, you know, I, I think he, he's an intriguing arm because he, he's, he's obviously fit and he's obviously suitable as a starter. He may just end up um, in the bullpen. But, Thomas, what are, what, what's your gauze on how Connor Seabold can contribute this year? I like what I've seen. I mean, he seems to have a really good feel of his pitches. So when I look at Connor Seabold, with the Red Sox, a not quite developed player. I mean, he was a high pick of the Phillies, came to the Red Sox in a big trade. Then he ends up going to the Rockies when they when the Red Sox removed him from the roster. But you look at last season, 8-2, eight, eight and two, 3.63 ERA, 89 strikeouts and 86 and two-thirds innings at AAA Worcester. So what's happened is um, they're carrying him in the bullpen to start the season. I fully expect that when they have a full health in the bullpen and a couple of guys, uh, Jake Bird and, and um, <clears throat> excuse me, and Gavin Hollowell, they had some injuries in spring training. So I think it opened up a spot for Connor Seabold. But he is in the major leagues right now. If somebody struggles, I would not be surprised if he moved into the rotation. Or let's say they get off to a good start. I think they would send him back down to AAA Albuquerque. He could work on pitching at altitude and then bring him up later on. So, yeah, he is an intriguing arm, and it was a, an interesting move. Um, you know, the Red Sox just simply didn't have room on their 40-man roster, and they designated him for assignment. The Rockies jumped right in for him. We'll see what happens. I know the Rockies liked him a lot coming out of the draft. I believe it was its Cal State Fullerton, and he ended up, um, you know, a third-round pick of the Phillies in 2017. You're right. Intriguing arm. Can do different things with pitches. Does not have a lot of experience. Will probably have some growing pains at altitude. But at the start of the year, as the long guy in relief with Kyle Freeland, maybe not able to throw the uh, as many innings as you would have expected because of the World Baseball Classic. We could see some good things out of Connor Seabold early in this year. So I, I kind of wanted to transition to the bullpen now because we, you know, we, we were talking about Brad Hand coming over, and that that was kind of a big move in terms of depth and bolstering the the bullpen itself. But I, I think, you know, my my question for you, Thomas, is: Do, do you feel that? the bullpen can be the strongest component of the Rockies this season. Just to, to elaborate, do, do you feel that they can be X-Factor? Because we, we saw the the peak form of Danny Bard last year, and he hasn't pitched – he hasn't put, put up that type of performance since 2010 with the Red Sox where he had a 1.93 RA through 73 games. And, you know, he had a sub-1 ERA. He – 34 saves this year. So, you know, aside from him, you got some you got some nice – Depth options as well. You know, you got Pierce Johnson from the Padres, Brad Hand from the Phils, Brent Suter from the Brewers, and obviously Connor Seabold. But do you feel that this bullpen, you know, with, with the additions that they made, do, do you think that this could be the X factor and the strongest component heading into the season? If you go back to all the years that the Rockies have made the playoffs, it's not that many in their 30-year history, but all the years they've made the playoffs – in most of those years, they've had one of the better bullpens in baseball. That's why I know they're a building team, but they always have veterans around in the bullpen because you never do know if those guys are really pitching well, especially with the wild games of course Field, they can be an X factor. Yeah, Daniel Bard's coming off a heck of a season last year, but you look at what they did 
um, as far as far as some of the signings are concerned. I mean, Pierce Johnson has had a very solid career. He came off an injury last year, so the numbers didn't look great, but he pitched really well in the playoffs for the Padres. Um, Brent Suter is a guy that I think needs to get back to what he was about two, two years ago, maybe three years ago. But I think that, um, you know, he still has a lot left in him. And you're right, Brad Hand could be a, could be a major difference maker. The Rockies over the years have brought in a lot of guys like him that have, uh, that have swing and miss stuff. Um, a couple of guys that I think could be X factors for them. Justin Lawrence, who pitched for Panama in the World Baseball Classic. And you look at the numbers after the last time he was called up last year. Lawrence is a guy they've been spending two years developing. He's looked really good. He, I, th- I thought he finished the year really strong last year. I thought that um, also in spring training and, and with Panama in the World Baseball Classic, he looked good. The other one that we kind of forget about, if you, if you recall, I remember being in San Diego and the Rockies didn't make a trade at the deadline and, you know, got, got a lot of flack for it from their fans. I mean, their fans really want this team to, to succeed. But two days later, they acquired Denelson Lamette off waivers from the Milwaukee Brewers. And I, I think at the end of the season, he was a difference maker in that bullpen. And he's thrown really well in camp this year. Now, I don't think you take Denelson Lamette, who had been a starter and a very good one. I don't think he's quite ready to say throw into a ninth inning yet. But is he ready to come in in the seventh or eighth inning and protect the lead or get a key guy out? I think so. So you're right. The ball, if, if, if this team is doing well, say you look at the standings as the season is going, and it's like, what are the Rockies doing up there? The first place you may le- need to look is the bullpen. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, bullpens are pretty important piece of, of any team. So – I think my, my, this next transition question for me is, you know, obviously Chris Bryant is a marquee figure of the, a figure of the Rockies, and he's kind of, you know, the one of the most prominent hitters on this team. Yeah. And he's currently on a seven-year, $182 million deal. And last year, he had the injury bug last year. You know, he had a tough year, 3-4, kind of never avoided injury. And he had the injury bug, which players have all the time. But does that concern you heading into the season? Obviously, in spring training, he had a 297, 409, 676 slash line with four home runs. That's kind of a sign that maybe he could be himself. But again, it's spring training. And, you know, last year, Kyle Gashioka had over one OPS, and he ended up barely <laughs> barely over 600 OPS. So, you know, it, it's kind of tough to – Gauze how he'll perform this season, and obviously you're coming from the perspective that he's the all star that he's been past couple seasons. But does this injury season that he had last year concern you long term? Um, not long term, except for one thing: is that uh, Denver is a tough atmosphere for a player. Um, the the hydration, uh, the the muscles. You'll see some pulled muscles there that you may not see elsewhere. And going in and out of altitude that hurts a lot of guys. Um, sometimes it's injuries. Sometimes it's just their numbers. But I will say this about – I think there's a difference between Kyle Ashioka and Chris Bryant. I mean, Chris Bryant, the track record that he's had, it's, it, 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 it's undeniable. Can, now, but the question is, can he stay healthy? And I think it's a legitimate question because 
playing it's different playing in Chicago or San Francisco than it is in Denver. I mean, Denver, let's face it, is 4,000 feet higher than anywhere else, and the effects of the body are different, and Bryant is in his 30s. But if he swings the bat the way he did this spring training, I think you get a completely different result. And even last year when he was on the team, um, the rest of the lineup, I noticed, performed better. They were a much more competitive team. Now, uh, and they had a winning record with him, believe, with him in the lineup up until the end when he was trying to play through the foot injuries and they just didn't play well in a couple of series. But the parts of the year that he was there, you started saying, hey, wait a second. This guy makes all these other guys better players. He makes, um, you know, he, he makes Charlie Blackman uh, a little bit more of a force in the lineup. He makes Ryan McMahon more of a force because he's not trying to make up for it. C.J. Crone, guys like that. Charlie, so Chris Bryant makes a difference throughout the lineup, but I think it's legitimate to be concerned because he had the injuries last year and he's not getting any younger. I think the difference this spring was it was finally a normal spring training. If you recall, he signed in late March last year, so he was cramming to get ready for the season, and maybe that had something to do with the injury bug that he had because the first injury was a back injury and that sounds like too much too soon the foot injury whatever that was i you know i'm not a doctor i can't um you know i i, I can't diagnose it but it doesn't look like that's an issue this year so w- i guess we'll see with chris bryant it's okay to be concerned about him but you can be hopeful too yeah i, I mean I'm hoping that that you know the 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 large contract that they gave him gave him kind of pays off. So I was looking at Vegas projections. Uh, this is kind of you know just on this on the season overall on what yeah. what your projections are. So Vegas actually gives the Rockies the over under of sixty five and a half. So I actually want, wanted to hear your perspective, and you know what are your thoughts over under sixty five and a half. Um, my thoughts of that, it, it's hard to have a thought because I don't think a lot of the projections, um, the, you know, cause I'm, I'm, I'm really not sure what goes into them. And last year, all the projections were pretty much correct on this team. You know, they, uh, they, they finished what, um, 68 wins. I can't remember whatever it was. They were pretty much correct. However, I've also covered seasons like the um, 2017 and 18 seasons where they had them in the upper 70s as far as wins, and they're sitting in the playoffs at the end of them. I can go through the history. My thing on projections is it is a lot easier to miss on a team like the Rockies that has a few stars and maybe doesn't make the moves that the big market teams do. But if they make the right minor moves, it can make a difference, like bringing in guys in the bullpen, which they did during those years, and they did in offseason this year. So while I, I think there's some validity to the numbers, especially if you look at the team now and you look at the, the competition they have, knowing that um, maybe if the Dodgers are struggling, they can make a big move. The Padres have shown a willingness to make those moves. But if everything works out right, they have a chance to, to exceed those. So I'm not a big projection guy. I'm just not. I mean, and, and maybe that's wrong of me. Maybe I should, you know, pay more attention to those things. But I kind of like to watch as, as a season goes because I've seen too many years where at the end of it, you look and you say, okay, this is logical. But in the beginning, you don't see it. You know, the 2000, say the 2017 
a lot of people did not see that coming. Now, those guys did, a lot of the pitchers especially, and they had the best bullpen in baseball then. But also, you look at um, 2008 where they should have done a lot better and they did really poorly. I think that, as I said earlier, what Dan O'Dowd said, predicting performance from year to year in Denver is a lot less possible than it is in other places. Uh, but, you know, if you if you want me to, I guess... Um, Look at the Vegas projection. There, there are a lot of things that would back that projection right now. But uh, you know, we'll see when the season starts. I'm actually gonna have to agree with you on that. I, I've never been. I mean, in this case, I, I kind of had to bring it up because uh, I don't know. I, yeah. I mean, it's so dire, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> it is. It, it's it's so intriguing for me because you know it's like oh, this team get this amount of means over or under, but you know, I, I think it's tough to predict. Cause like you were talking about Thomas, you know, teams can find it uh, over a month and, you know, they can go on a 850 OPS team um, uh, hitting month. And, uh, you know, in, in August when some teams are kind of burnt out the Rockies, the Rockies lineup and, and their offense can start hitting bombs and, you know, things can start clicking and they can go, I don't know, they can go 15 and one, or twenty and one in in the you know in the month of August, so it's kind of hard to predict. But you know, I think from Vegas where where they stand, it's kind of just about you know we every year they come up with projections. So I think for Vegas, it's more of just you know let, let's let's assess every every component of this team and let's make a prediction of you know based on their lineup strength and based on their pitching, their depth, and all all the of the uh, components that that take part of that. But I think it's just more of, hey, what what are we going to expect out of this team? Well, I think also um, it's not just Vegas. I mean, you look at uh, whether it's baseball prospectus or um, or, or I, um, what is it called? I, I can't remember what it's called. Oh, the Picota, which I think is baseball prospectus. They have the Rockies down around there too because you look at the lineup and the pitching and compare it to what they're going against. I can see the point of that, but I go back to whether it's the Rockies, whether it's the Kansas city Royals, when they were really good, it seems like those type of projections really have a hard time with teams that don't make a whole lot of off season moves that don't have big names with track records on their rosters. So um, you could look at that. And I would say that there are not a lot of people who disagree with Vegas or, or, or the, um, or the advanced numbers. Not a lot of people disagree with it, but the the, pr- the proof is in the season. Now, let's let's kind of flip that. How would they be able to exceed those figures? Okay, let's look at the the starting pitching. You have two proven guys at the top, and also I think Austin Gomber has had, Austin Gomber's had a big year at Coors Field, so that has to hold up. I think the bullpen. You can if if they have leads. The track records of the guys there, okay, they may be able to, to, to protect leagues. The, the other guys that I look at that could make a difference, obviously Chris Bryant, if he sets the lineup correctly, but Ryan McMahon, who I think um, at times has tried to do too much in the batter's box, when he calms down, he's capable of some power and some good hitting. Hilarious Montero, I mean, he's a big, strong fellow. What it, you know, the, the home runs, they could come from him. I think those are a couple of places. Also, Jerks and Profar being added to the lineup. If he's batting leadoff, you know there's some power in that bat. And you know that um, last year he had one 
Nice season. I think it was over 1,000 OPS, if I'm not mistaken, with the San Diego Padres. His track record does not show that over a period of years, but it also shows a whole lot of injuries. So we, so it, it may be a guy who later in his career doesn't have a lot of mileage on him, and he's figured some things out. So there are ways you could look at this and say, okay, the Rockies could be a surprise. But I think if you look at just what it is, what, you know, what, what the lineup says, what the names say, you know, you, you, you can't predict that they're going to have a big year, but that's why they play the games. So but before we wrap things up, I have, I have a couple um, culminating questions for you. Yeah. So we, we were talking before about, you know, depth and I kind of want to transition now to your, from system and you, you were talking about Drew Romo, who's obviously in the early stage of his career. He he spent most of his time last year in low and high A. Now he's is in Spokane with the Indians. So, uh, d- based on you know the fact that there's four players in the top 100 uh, in the Rockies organization, you got Tovar, Veen, Amador, and Romo. So even out of the, outside of those four guys, you know obviously. You know, just looking at the top thirty, um, and even the top ten, most of these most of these players are in their early stages of his career and just starting off at high A. And you know, are there any players that you feel can make a splash the next couple of seasons? Obviously, you got Tovar top of the list. He's he's uh, poised for a big rookie season this year. Obviously, getting those reps at shortstop. But aside from him, is there anyone in in, in this organization that you feel? is either unsung or can make a big splash for the next couple of seasons? Well, first, I think um, with, with Tovar, starting shortstop this year, I, and I thought it was a very good spring as far as handling the expectations and also growing as a defender. Um, he, he is a legitimate player. I mean, if you go back to last season, um, and excuse me if I mispronounce them, but Volpe with the, uh, with the Yankees and Tovar, yeah were the best infielders, and the Rockies will tell you they felt that that Tovar was a better player. But still, th- these are two guys to really get excited about. Next guy, um, Zach Veen. I mean, I think Zach Veen and Drew Romo, they're, they're, they're most like they're going to start off in Hartford in double-A this year. And even though they're 21 years old, I would not be shocked to see them in the major leagues by the end of the season. The other guy that I think is a bit unsung, that I see him kind of stepping forward a bit in development is Brenton Doyle, a uh, center field type and a, and a guy who could really actually work his way into the majors this year. He was a small school guy out of Shepherd University in West Virginia, but he's shown big time tools. And if, and if he's able to kind of make some adjustments to his hitting and get some power out of that bat, that makes a difference. Um, another guy that, has kind of become unsung because he was a first-round pick and he didn't blow through the minors, was Michael Tolia. And it looked like at the end of spring training, he was starting to get the contact that you expect off his bat. I mean, he had four home runs from March 12th on in spring training and some really big games. Um, so, so you would expect to see him. So that's the thing that I think the Rockies fans out there, I mean, they read the projections just like everybody else. And they know that their team is not expected to do much, but if you start seeing guys like this make the major leagues, it makes the season a lot more exciting. So my final question for you, Thomas, is obviously that this year was a big change for baseball 
and with the new rule implements and with the updated schedules and, you know, you're playing your division less. And obviously the Rockies are in a very talented and and fruitful division. You got the Rockies and the Padres and Dimebacks are kind of up and coming. So, you know, with with the increased size of the bases and with the pitch clock, with the band shift, just all like the all encompassing new rule changes. Do, do you think that, you know, a how will the updated schedule impact the Rockies? Do you think that they can maybe win more games due to the fact that they aren't playing those two, two, three teams as much? And B, do you feel that these new implements, such as the pitch clock and the shifts, you know, the Rockies have a couple lefties. They got, I mean, only one, uh, they got Blackman and McMahon and Tovar and Profar both sw- sw- switch hand, uh, switch handed. So do you feel that all of those factors will impact either for the good or bad? Well, a couple of things. First of all, Tovar, I know he came into baseball as a switch hitter, but he is uh, strictly a right-handed batter. Now they changed that early in his career. So it is a pretty right-handed lineup, but Charlie Blackman, you're right. Some more hits will fall his way. I know we were talking to Charlie today. I'm over at Petco park and he was saying the schedule should help. I mean, if you look at over the years, the Rockies rarely finish ahead of the Dodgers in the division and having to play them 19 times has been a struggle. Now the, in, in 2017, the Rockies actually had a winning record against the D-backs and that I, I'm, I'm sorry, against the Dodgers. And that was the reason they went to the playoffs. But I think getting away from those, from, from, from the Dodgers playing them so much, it makes a difference in the schedule. Um, the, the one theory that's out there, and it'll have to be explored during the course of the season, is this. Um, as I've talked about, Denver is a tough atmosphere for the home team because they're going in and out of it all the time. Visiting team just shows up for a few days, and you know they, then they get to leave. But with the pitch clock, does the pitcher have more fatigue? Can the Rockies use that to their advantage because they, at some point, will get used to playing with a pitch clock, get used to a faster-paced game? That, you know, so that, that, that's something I'm going to find really interesting to kind of study this season. So the, the, these, these rules changes, I mean, let's face it, everybody plays by them, but it could affect some teams more than others, and definitely the schedule is a help to the, not only the Rockies, but to the Diamondbacks, who are an upcoming team also. So th- thank you so much, Thomas, for joining our show. And, you know, I- I'm-, I'm kind of excited for these Rocks this year because, you know, as as y- you were discussing, you know, they made a few additions and maybe, you know, maybe some guys can step on big ways. We were talking about prospects and guys who can make a splash over the next couple of years. So, Thomas, I'm excited, and I'm sure you're very excited as well. But I, I think heading this season, what are your biggest, you know, concerns for the Rockies heading into the season? Well, the biggest concern I have is that if they have a couple of injuries, it would just be really hard for them to fill in for them. Um, And it's funny. There was a quote from the owner, Dick Montfort, that, you know, he believes 500 could be in the cards, or he believed that last year. The thing about 500 baseball, as the Atlanta Braves proved when they won the World Series, is if you're hanging around 500 at the trade deadline, you may be able to make some moves that will help the team for the rest of the season 
that can push you a little bit further, push you into the playoffs, and then you have a chance. So um, <clears throat> that the key for the Rockies is they can't get people hurt. And who knows if they if they're hanging around 500 at the trade deadline, then I guess we'll see what happens. And but that's the way it is with a lot of teams in baseball right now. Yeah, that 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 is very true. And you know, you guys are in a tough division, and obviously it's tough um, because you got two World Series contenders in in your vicinity and you know it's tough going against them and obviously you're playing them less like we were discussing a couple minutes ago so then now just to fire back on that uh what are your what are there are, is there anything specific that you feel strong or you feel will succeed and component of the rockies will succeed heading into the season well you know I don't have that feeling. I do. I, I do have a good feeling about the starting pitching. That um, a lot of these guys have reached a career stage where they had to make some changes. I'm looking at Freeland. I'm looking at um, Marquez and Gomber. But it looks like these guys have the aptitude to handle them. Here's what I'm. Here's what I feel pretty strongly about, though, is that the San Diego Padres, the money that they spent, the um, the all-in type attitude. I'm here in San Diego. There is a lot of excitement for it. I think if a team like that wins and maybe sustains it for a bit, it may push other teams, other teams that are not in the big markets, to say, hey, wait, maybe we could spend a little bit more and, and, and attempt to contend rather than go through these cycles of develop your own guys, then get rid of, your own, then get rid of guys and go through some hard years. If there is another route to being a good baseball team rather than build up teardown that you see in a lot of these markets, and if the San Diego Padres can prove that you can spend the money, then chase that with more money, and the fans come and your business is, is in a solid spot, I think it makes a difference to a lot of teams. So in, in a lot of ways, I would suspect that some of the Rockies fans deep down, even though they may not like it, have to be San Diego Padres fans because if they win, then maybe there's a, maybe there's another route for the Rockies to go to win. That's a hot take. Wow. Uh, I, I didn't know Rockies fans can also be Padres fans. But... That would, well, that would be hard to do. I mean, that would be hard to do. I know Rockies fans can't be Dodgers fans. I mean, there's no because, chance. Yeah, there, there is so much, you know, jealousy of the Dodgers, and rightfully so. And the, the Dodgers have won a lot, but I know Rockies fans, they secretly start laughing when the Dodgers lose in the playoffs. But, you know, the, the, it's, it's a means to an end if the Padres, by spending their money, because they're different from the Philadelphia Phillies, because the Phillies are in one of the big markets in, the, in our nation, and they should spend the money, and they, and they can go for it, and they can do it without having teardowns. But the Padres, there have been times in the past that they've spent a little bit of money, put together a team, and when it didn't work, they've had a fire sale, and, uh, and, and it can't be good for the fans and everybody else. But if the Padres can be a consistent contender for a few years, then there, then there will always be that comeback where the owners say, we can't afford this. And then the fans could say, what about San Diego? So there is something to a Rockies fan maybe wanting to look over at San Diego and say, hey, if not us, maybe you. Because so, that'll, that, that'll <laughs> inspire a different way of operating. 
<laughs> yeah. Um, so again, Thomas, really, thank you so much for joining. Hey, thanks for having me. Um, as always, guys, like I mentioned before, uh, Thomas Harding, the Rockies beat reporter and writer. He's over at MLB.com. Make sure to check out all of his work uh, throughout the season. Make sure to follow him at Twitter and check out all of his work there. We post daily and keeps you up with the newly daily news and breaking news and throughout the season covers them. He's there and over in Colorado. And Thomas, thank you much for joining. Make sure, guys, to check out this episode on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Shout out to a couple of friends. Uh, take a listen, and I hope you guys have a great night.